0: Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, We you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in, because Big Mike has got the life starting now. Welcome to the
1: Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike. Mike Zlatnik. And today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome back Matt Burke. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mike. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you having on a podcast uh, again, Matt is the CEO and founder of Fairway America LLC and very best LLC. And I uh, appreciate your uh, wisdom uh, coming on a podcast. So let's jump into what's going on out there. The interest rates are high, uh, they're high and too high and too long. And I'll start it this way. I guess it's, I grew up in the former Soviet Union, as you know, when it was still Soviet Union. Complaining about the government action or central bankers is a dangerous trait. Here you can complain all day long. That that's the that's the beauty about the United States. You can you have a freedom of speech. So we certainly can complain about uh, J. Powell, Fed chair, going wild, uh, trying to curb the inflation and causing havoc in the industry of commercial real estate. Um, I wish he went a little slower or maybe a lot slower. Things probably would have been. Just as good, um, maybe it, will take all, it would have taken a little longer to get the inflation under control. But that aside, uh, he wouldn't have disturbed the industry uh, to the degree that he has. So we're dealing with this disruption. Love to hear your thoughts on kind of what the the whole commercial industry is experiencing and then where, where are we going?
0: Yeah, well, it's you know, a meaty, meaty topic. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'd say the the rapid rise rates over the last, you know, year, year and a half has caused major, major pain in the commercial real estate market across the board, as you well know. And um, if you had anything other than a fixed rate, long-term, you know, death on a stabilized project, you're feeling the pain. And if you have that came due anytime soon, you're feeling the pain of the refi. Right. So. Um, uh, it's, a it's been a very, very challenging market. I'd say it's challenging Mike as any as I've seen in my 30 plus years, 32, 33 years in the, uh, in the finance and real estate space in terms of where we're going, uh, hard to say, of course, I don't have any better crystal ball than anybody else, but hopefully you're seeing at least rates there. I don't see them going back down to, you know, the super low levels that they were but I don't think they need to in order to see market improvement in, in the uh, overall uh, you know capital markets environment. I mean, this is a, a very capital markets-driven uh, uh, event and downturn, right? And it's, it's just, it's, it's lowered the values of commercial real estate to put people on the sidelines. It's thrown a, a giant wrench into the wheels of capital markets to the point where uh, it just has been, next to impossible for a lot of people to to execute trades and to you know to keep things going so uh hopefully 24 starts to get a little bit more it loosens up a little bit i do think that people are itching to do deals i mean there's a lot of money that's built up that wants to do deals so you know, humans just generally like activity they like to do things they like to do deals so i suspect you see some sense of normalcy, if there is such a thing anymore, returning to the market, then I, I think you'll start to see some activity and hopefully um, you'll still at least see some price discovery and some stabilization of, of values. Thank you for sharing that. So first question, how much correction do you think
1: has taken place? Of course, it varies city by yeah. city, area by area, uh, obviously certain areas, are a lot more volatile, I've seen a lot more, I've seen articles where multifamily Sort of southern regions, maybe Phoenixes of the world, they're down quite a bit. And some other areas, it's a lot less, and it does just pull the family, other asset classes too. I don't know if you have any general, uh, you know, range or what do you think uh, correction looks like. And that's the first question. The follow-up question: uh, rescue finance opportunities. I mean, that's that's the that's the only play today. Rescue finance. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the on that front?
0: Yeah, I think, well, to the first question, I, I think you're right, Mike, I've always said that real estate, there's not one, uh, real estate market. There's many, many real estate micro markets, and that varies by geographic area, property type, you know, is it office, is it retail? Is it multifamily? Is it industrial? What types of industrial is it? Class A, class B, class C. So, you know, there's all kinds of different submarkets that make a broad generalization difficult. But that said, I would say on the stuff that was least affected, it's anywhere from, you know, five to 10%. And on the stuff that's most affected, it can be anywhere up to 40 or 50% or more. In the case of like some certain property types, office in particular, may be, you know, completely obsolete. In which case, you know, the value drops are enormous, but, and, you know, somewhere between 20 and 40%, Mike, I think in a lot of, well called, you know, Value add projects that weren't at their completion that had variable rate of debt um, in in them, trying to get to stabilization. I think those have gone anywhere down from you know low end ten or fifteen percent to high end as much as thirty and forty. So with that math in mind, so value
1: on, let's call it value on multifamily. Of course, every market is local. Uh, is there a room for rescue capital, or these properties have to go back to the banks?
0: And get sold at a, you know, are like discounts or all of the above? Now, they, it depends on the project, depends on the wherewithal of the manager, depends on how close to stabilization, you know, how much more work needs to be done. Are there entitlement issues that can be dealt with still? You know, what kind of delays do you have from other you know, things that are outside or beyond the manager's control? So there are just so many factors that, again, it's hard to make a broad generalization. No, but I've seen lots of projects. You know, I mean, as you know, Mike, we have literally dozens, hundreds, even thousands of uh, relationships, managers around the country, and so forth. And you know, there's a there's a huge amount of pain, you know, to go around for people that are involved in any sort of value add projects. And so it really just depends on the situation. I do think there is opportunity for rescue capital um, if you can. Part of the challenge has just been figuring out uh, how to underwrite any. From here on out and forward, in terms of what assumptions are you making? What sort of assumptions are you making around interest rates, around caps, around cap cap rates, around rents? You know, around timing to reach stabilization and lease up rates. Right? There's so many different assumptions that you have to make on any given transaction that combine to produce some sort of a uh, targeted or projected outcome. That it's hard, but it, it, assuming you can be conservative on a bunch of those assumptions and still see a outcome that makes sense, then yes, I think there's lots of opportunities for rescue capital out in the market today. And if you believe, you know, a more rosy or optimistic scenario, the rates, you know, do start to come down and that capital markets does pick up and people want to put money back in. And, and you know how it is, Mike. I mean, it's a herd mentality. When times are good, you know, everybody rushes in and pours money into things and it drives asset prices up. And then everybody's, you know, got FOMO. And then they start overpaying for things that they shouldn't overpay for because they're afraid of missing out. And then when the market goes the other way, right? Everybody pulls out, tightens up and nobody's doing anything. And instead of having a moderate dip, you have a huge dip because you can't, there's no liquidity whatsoever anywhere you turn. That's just how people are. It's, it's kind of a herd mentality. So if that starts to go in the other direction, I think you could see a decent move toward more liquidity in the marketplace and then value stabilize. and then all of a sudden you know, some of those losses you know, call them paper losses that people might have based on today's valuations might not be as bad if they can hang on long enough right to get back to a more uh normal or or you know typical type environment so yeah it's that it, everything is always in flux at some point um you know it's only if you absolutely have no ability to do something and have to, you know, recognize those losses or gains on a trade that you know actually realize them. And until then, you know, everybody's doing the best they can to try to figure out ways to you know produce the best outcome they can on on the deals that they're already in bed with. New managers, you know, new strategies, new funds that are launching, and we see a lot of those. As you know, Mike, in our practice, we do a lot of advisory work for new managers. I'm seeing a lot of people gearing up to try to take advantage of, of, you know, price discovery and, and trades that just sellers have been hanging on, you know, by their fingernails, right, for the last couple of years, last year and a half, and some of them just aren't going to be able to hang on anymore. And there's a lot of money out there that are trying to take advantage of being able to buy at those types of prices. So if people can get in on a going forward basis at, on the new, uh, you know, cost basis, of, property, I think there's a lot of opportunity to be had on a going forward basis.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that great wisdom. The uncertainty and volatility is so high and the lack of predictability is, makes it difficult. I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's just difficult to make any decision. Um, but the fresh money in, uh, let's just call it a rescue capital. And, 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 and the rescue capital could be obviously buying distressed. From a bank or from a seller with 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 a bank approval, whatever you want to call a short sale or or um, anything of that nature, or it's just coming into the existing deal uh, ahead of all uh, existing equity. Yep. Um, How do you know when you got a good deal? Because basically, uh, some of these assets are fundamentally strong assets with strong operators, but the challenge is again difficult to know what the future holds, and if you can only get to a finish right. line. So you do the underwrite for liquidity to get you through for the next, uh, 18 months, 24 months, how long do you think you have to hold down for things, to get back to, let's just call stabilization of sort.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, like it's, as you know, man, it's, you're making a lot of educated guesses that are a combination of, you yeah. know, forward-looking, um, Thinking around what's going to happen with interest rates, what's going to happen in the economy. It's a presidential election year; a lot of uncertainty around that. You've got war going on in, in you know, the Middle East and in Ukraine, and it's it's just a super uncertain environment, generally speaking. So it's very difficult. But I'd say you end up having to look at it on a combination of project by project uh, information. How close to this is it at sixty percent occupancy currently? Is it at eighty five percent occupancy currently? Right. Obviously, depending on which one it is, let's say in a multifamily project, what's your absorption per month? How much rent do you expect to be able to get or have rents dropped? If so, by how much you, you have to make assumptions, you know, there's, there's a dozen, two dozen assumptions on every single deal that you underwrite that you have to put together in some combination, and then you have to have some conviction or belief around how long you, you know, where rates you think you're going to be, where your exit is, you think you're going to be. And if you're not planning to do it, run or write it to an exit, how long can it, will it cash flow based on the debt that you've got on it? Um, so I, I just think it's case by case. It's deal by deal. It's location by location until people see a little bit more, uh, guidance in the market on where they think things are going from.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that wisdom. It's hard to see it. how did the cash flow in this environment with these interest rates, that, 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 that is a. Mission Impossible, it's almost like you just survived to the, to, to the point where the rates come down and, and it's difficult to uh, assume where the rate's going to be. Um, although, uh,
0: we do know the rates are unlikely to keep going up. They appear to have peaked. They, they appear to, but then as soon as that happened, right, you saw some, uh, some numbers that start to give you pauses to see whether or not the Fed really is going to cut rates or not. I mean, it's just, nobody really knows for sure. Um, you know, it's just, it's, I'll give you an example of something that, in a good family office of ours, this isn't even a deal we're involved in. I just know about it because we have a bunch of transactions with this family and they've got other investments elsewhere. Right. But this is a stabilized product, a retail, hundred percent occupied cash quality. Zero problems on the deal or the transaction, but they had a, a an interest a note come due, right? That was I, I don't know exactly what the interest rate was, but let's call it you know four ish percent, and and now it comes due, and the best they can do uh, is underwrite that at of seven or a seven and a half in today's world with a life company or a CMBS deal, and even though it's perfectly stabilized and it's taken one penny of it of money. And he's just trying to refi, it's a $7 million cash in refi, right? So it's, you're having to write a $7 million check just to refinance the deal to meet the debt coverage requirement at today's interest rate. Yeah, well, that was an unexpected $7 million of liquidity that, you know, some, they got to pony up on a deal that otherwise is perfectly good and perfectly stabilized. So, you know, when things like that are happening, right, just think of the ones that aren't stabilized right, that are in the middle of construction, have some lease up that are going on, that are on a variable rate, you know, and the rate goes from seven and a half or eight to 11 and a half or 12 or 13, you know, it's, it has been a brutal environment for the last you know year, year and a half for a lot of people. Yeah. So what
1: you just mentioned is uh, uh, a thing the term for it is maturity cliff. That's what they're talking about. Not only you got the floating rate deal having challenges, but the maturing perfectly good assets that can no longer e-fi, it's almost like, if you think about this, maturity slip problem is sort of such a getting portions that I, you know, if you follow, you could do a great conspiracy theory, right? Jay Powell would work for Car- used to work for Carlisle Group, yep. large institutional players. They're sitting with massive war chest and they're getting ready to pick up stuff at a massive discount and these. Ray Kikes is what, what was forcing that. And um, all the, let's just call them retail investors, all the mom and pops, all the individual folks, or written their checks. Um, it, it's it's a scary news to deliver that many of the checks written in the last couple of years are just going to be completely gone. And it's 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 a terrible situation. It's not even clear if there's going to be a, a solution. The only solution is to somehow. Fed to reverse the stance and realize that destroying a whole sector, probably multiple sectors of the economy, it, maybe it's a grand conspiracy theory. I don't know. Maybe Jay Paul wants this. So his friends can, can buy up these assets
0: at a massive discounts. Who knows? Yeah. Well, it's, look, it's not the most far flung theory in the world. I and mean, you like to believe that federal First government gosh. officials don't have, <laughs> you know, those kinds of, uh, motivations in mind, but, but you sit there and look at the dynamics in the country today and the fact of the matter is the big banks and the big, yeah. uh, shops get bigger and bigger and the smaller ones don't, right? Cause it's just incredibly difficult. I don't know if you've read about this new private funds rule that's coming out, um, or has been passed and it goes into a March of next year, 2025. I mean, we've been doing. The homework on all of that, and the reporting requirements for private funds are—I mean, it's just crazy what it, what that's going to impose upon private fund managers. And again, all of the burden, the operational burden that's going to be imposed upon people is going to fall disproportionately on on its smaller firms that don't have the infrastructure and the you know the sheer size and financial hefts and the personnel and the people and the resources necessarily necessary to combine with those kinds of laws. So, yeah, I mean, it's a huge issue, man, in society, just generally the, the growth of the biggest of the big, you know, just keeps getting bigger and, and the disparity between the small and the big gap just keeps widening more and more.
1: Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that and, and, uh. I, I, didn't know about the new, new rules. That's another conversation, not a popular discussion. Uh, so look
0: it up. It's just, yeah, for any fund manager that's out there listening to this right now, look it up the, it's the private fund rule and, and it's, well, it's first of all, it's 600 pages long. If you want to read the whole thing. You need right? somebody Listen. to interpret that. Yeah. Yeah. So no more like attorneys explaining that. Yeah, well, then, there, of course, there's summaries of it and so forth. But, I mean, it is, yeah. I mean, to your point around you know, conspiracy theories, it's, um, yeah, I think the, the look, look at the crowdfunding, Mike. I mean, what happened there, right? That, that The Jobs Act rise to that crowdfunding came on and had a huge run for 10 plus years, right? High net worth investors, you know, piled a bunch of money. Into commercial real estate and then all of a sudden it falls off of a cliff right and causes massive you know challenges with lots of deals here the last few years i mean i think the next year or two or three is going to be spent you know working and minimizing as much damage as possible for those kind of worth people and, and getting out the other side of it and then hopefully taking advantage of you know the next wave of of run up in commercial real estate values. And, and of course, commercial real estate is highly susceptible to, to the interest rate, uh, you know, good environment, and that's just the way it is, man. It's capital intensive business. And even if you don't have interest or loans against it, the value of property will fluctuate wildly depending on what's going on with interest rates. You know, if you don't have to sell, that's always better, right? You never want to be in a position where you're forced to have to sell something into an illiquid, poor market. Uh, but that's hard to not be in that position sometimes if you want to be active in the market when times are good. And people are using debt because leverage, of course, increases your returns if you use it appropriately and the market, you know, it cooperates. Well, leverage can also be your launch if, if you know, the market goes the other way.
1: Yeah, right. true. So, what are you doing today? Are, are you? Are, is Fairway working on the next version of a, or a rescue fund, or is this too early? Is this going to happen? Yeah, we're yeah. public. Well, well, you know, a little early, but at the same time, maybe not. A lot depends on what what happens with interest rates. And yeah, we see
0: future. Yeah. Fairway is working on a number of uh, new fund initiatives that uh, will be rolling up here fairly quickly. Um, you know, and as much as we're all part of a broker dealer and bread and reps and all that, I really can't talk too much about it um, publicly, but I can say we do have some funds that will be coming down the pike here uh, in the near future. And largely it's around rescue capital strategies as well as uh, making investments in and with other managers that are doing new vehicles uh, that are taking advantage of various opportunities that are available in today's today's market so those will those will be rolling out here pretty soon and uh, yeah i mean I, I do think there's tremendous opportunity there' are always this opportunity right there's in, in every downturn or every storm there's there's you know there's a bright light at the end somewhere it's you know so the challenge in lights is you know minimizing the damage when you get into the into the heavy storms um and being in a position to you know sail when the, when the sky is blue.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally hear you and um, I'll, I'll ask you this question, uh, it's pretty straightforward, but I actually came up with a discussion with a guest on your podcast, on very best podcast, and uh, it was an interesting um, point mentioned that some fund managers, the new fund managers are advertising new funds uh, as they have no legacy issues, they're in great shape. Is this, <laughs> I'm laughing about this because is this better for an investor to look at the new fund manager with a new fund or look at a veteran, even though there's some battle scars, but at least there's expertise and they, when they're launching a new fund, it's a new start. Yeah. So, who
0: do you think? Well, I would, I would take my chances with people who have been through the, the trenches, you know, even if they've had, look, it, it's impossible to go through whites without any battle scars whatsoever and anybody that tells you that they do i always question how how you know sincere and honest those people are being you know but that said man i I do think there are some really good quality younger managers that are uh worth investing with uh, particularly in, in a lot of it as you know too mike is tiny Right. if, frankly, if you invested in 2000, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, or just about anybody, you know, even if they were four, you were still going to come out pretty good because the market was working in your favor. But you could invest in the highest quality, most, you know, competent, capable managers and, you know, 21 and 22 and experience some pain because market just moved massively in the opposite direction. You know, that's just, that's just the way it is. So, yeah, I think both. Oh, oh, I'd always done on the person that has more, you know, uh, battle stars and one that doesn't, like all things being equal. But that said, there's plenty of, of people on both sides I would invest with and I wouldn't, you know, who they are.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. That reminds me kind of the tide that rises old uh, boats. And I vividly remember going, I don't know if you've ever been been there, but it's on the uh, it's on the east coast in uh, Nova Scotia, Bay of Fundy. The tides are gigantic. So you see low tides, the boats all the way in the floor, and the high tide, they're all the way up. And that volatility is happened every there, twice a day. It's a large. But we're experiencing this here and now and it's kind of very um it's very difficult for a lot of people to accept what just just happened. And it, it's even for professionals for us. Difficult to, to understand. And the most difficult part is like you said, we don't even know where the market will end, will, will end up. It might end up to be okay, or it might end up sinking more. It might wind up, who knows. Right. That's it's a difficult, the most difficult part is lack of predictability. A period of time when everything looked just easy to do, and now it's got beyond hard, it's got almost impossible. And, um, yeah, I mean, both you and I have. You know, we've got a few battle scars and we've got some really great successes too. And, uh, it's almost, almost this, a lot of investors who are, who have the battle stars, uh, will kind of depart the market at the wrong time when they should be coming in, when they, when they should be writing out of the check, but it's difficult psychologically when you are, when you're you. leading. Yeah. And I'd say anybody
0: that, I mean, that's easy to say. You want to be, I mean, Warren Buffett's famous for that, right? It's like when the tide goes out, you know, swimming naked, right? Yeah. And I, I think there's a big difference between people who just blatantly, you know, make crazy assumptions for the sake of selling something to an unsuspecting, uh, you know, person because they can. But unfortunately, those people, even in, in, the, in the early innings of a long run, those people can actually end up doing just as well as the person who underwrote it. You know thoroughly but but i would say that it's really hard no matter how good you are to avoid you know swimming naked once the tidal wave goes out right and it just the riptide is you know get, get you under it's it's tough man but all, all that said mike i mean i always feel like i like to deal with people who have you know the right mindset the right approach who care who believe in doing the right thing who are going to be there even when the going gets tough you know, I'd rather have that than, than someone claims they've never made a mistake because usually they're either lying or they just haven't made the big mistake yet. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the true character is revealed through
1: difficulties. That's, that's the bottom line. That's, that's, that's the, uh, that's where, uh, let's just call them the strong, uh, come out, the, the, the genuine folks come out and the success is, is most of us invest with people. At the end of a day, we want to invest with people who we know, like, and trust and even during difficult times. So I start to share their wisdom. Any final thoughts? We are kind of running out of time, but, um, any, let's just call them any bright message for the future, anything positive, uh, sort of get ready to write fresh checks. I don't know if you can, if you can drum, if you beat that drum uh, today, but it feels like we're getting there. We're getting there a little bit, little. Lots of interesting opportunities uh, with the right sponsors, right markets could be great. Uh, and it's just, um, I thought I, I can invest a convincing message, but more of a don't hide, don't run away from the battle when now there's opportunity to come in into a really great market. It's almost like if you, Warren Buffett says, um, be fearful when I was a greedy and be greedy when I was a fearful. And now it's time to be greedy because others, others are very
0: fearful. It feels like that's what it feels like. Yeah, I I think that's right. I think, you know, cautiously being greedy, be cautiously greedy, right? And say, don't, don't do anything super stupid, but, but I do think there are a lot of opportunities that are going to be happening. I've been seeing more and more, uh, deals lately that, that look really good that are just, you know, hard to imagine how they don't make money. You know even if you just have a modicum of of you know a rational market but it's like it's the wild swings that cause you know irrational exuberance or irrational fear right that that ends up making the markets move so dramatically that i think caused the challenges like in this business so uh hopefully we're kind of at the tail end of this last you know irrational fear based on you it's not irrational I mean, it's reality with the interest rates but if the fence hold true to what they say they're going to do, and they at least taper off, you know, and and, and modest decreases, I think you'll start to see people come back in the market, and, and hopefully we, uh, you know, we see a a much more uh, pleasant, you know, and forward looking year than we saw in twenty. Appreciate your uh, word of um,
1: word of, of com- confidence and opportunity and. I'll say this. I guess um, you feel like they're gonna go slow because they they've made it very clear. Uh, fed action is long and variable legs, and they they want to see more data, and the data is still not uh, definitive. And they've taken a very harsh stance on uh, on inflation. So, if anything, they hike very fast, and then they're gonna they, they're gonna ease probably slowly. And, and for some people, it's gonna to be too late. While for others, Uh, maybe it's enough
0: to, um, to help. So let's, let's, let's see. We'll find out, man. Well, you know, you and me and everybody else will find out as it happens.
1: Appreciate your wisdom. Thank you for coming on the podcast and, um,
0: yeah, we'll, we'll keep chatting. The journey continues. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fund Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike name. Keep listening and keep investing, Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.